good Saturday morning. Anybody who listens in and anybody who downloads it later, uh, just another good day for the truth of God to be revealed and talked about. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing, doing pretty good. Um, I just noticed the sun was coming up. I didn't notice before as we were doing the podcast that it's been dark, but it's um, been looking forward to what uh, y'all's going to bring out. And um, this is just another interesting topic to you know delve into. I would agree. Um, and this this isn't the first time that this has come to my mind, but I. Uh, I have topics all the time and going through my mind like, oh, yeah, we could talk about that. We could talk about this. We could talk about that. Um, but again, we just want to make sure that mother's the one directing it. So, I mean, I, I had this one on my mind since the last podcast we had. And it just, I was like, no, I'm not going to go ahead and put it on there yet. I'm going to wait make sure mother doesn't want something else and then nothing else came to mind. So last night I titled it and set it up for today. So, um, and this is a, this is a topic that if you want to know truth, you're going to be okay with it because you, you want to know the truth. And we've talked about this before that part of this faith journey is that you wanting to know the truth more than how it affects you. You know, there's going to be effects that happen to you. Um, how bad do you want to know the truth? If you really want to know truth, then you set yourself aside. You don't care how it affects you because you want to know truth. And then when you know that truth, you can walk in it uh, appropriately. And so, when we look at this topic, we can also have the other side. Somebody hears it and they start getting upset. When they start getting upset, they, um, they're telling that they don't know, they don't understand. Uh, what's going on and it's just important that especially with this aspect of who's in heaven for us to talk about it from a uh, truth perspective so that people can understand 
We want people to know the truth. And that's just the really important aspects of what we're called to do. And so as we look at this topic here of heaven, who is in heaven? It's just very interesting and I'm going to turn it over to you, Sean, and uh, give you an opportunity to open this up as well with this topic. Sure. Um, what came to mind as you were speaking about this was people have opinions on heaven and on hell, but we are not here to talk about an opinion on this now we do have opinions on things but in regards to the truth of god the truth of god is about fact and it's not based in opinion now again we will have opinions on things but when we profess truth truth is not about opinion truth is about what is solid and what is sure and what came to mind for me was in regards to heaven heaven is where Yah dwells. So if we're talking about where Yah dwells, because even in the Old Testament, you know, Yah came to the people and he would come to them at the tabernacle, but they weren't in heaven because that would be in the place of perfection. That would be in the place of the uh, spiritual realm where if you want to be in that spiritual realm, then you would have to be spiritual, meaning that you could not be there in a body of flesh. Like you would have to be actually perfected to be there. And I remember we were just talking about this even before we started that and newspapers are, seems like newspapers are really, as the main means of communication are in the past, but you can still go online and do this. You'll have the obituary section. And the obituary section will have such and such has passed and they've entered into heaven or such and such is um, they're entering the kingdom of their Lord and their Savior. And people will so quickly put somebody in heaven. But we talked about this a few times. How often do you see somebody in an obituary put somebody in hell? Well, this person lived a unrighteous life and they're in hell now. Well, a lot of people be like, well, you can't do that. You know, you, you know, you want to, you know, have a good, you know, positive thing. Well, and, and the reality of that is a lot of people do that to convince themselves that they're okay, not an aspect of, because they don't have any control of where anybody goes. It, it's, it's in Yah's hands of that. I mean, they're in control of their own choices in their life, and ultimately where they end up is based on their choices. But with talking about who is in heaven, that we go to the truth of God. You know, this isn't a, well, this is Sean and Phil's opinion on who's in heaven. No, it, it's the word of God. And even Yeshua, before he gave his life, he was talking to his disciples, where I'm going, you cannot come. And when the Son of God makes a statement, he says, you cannot come, That that's not advice. That's not an opinion. That's 
you can't come here yet. I've got to do my work because where I'm going, you can't come until I go there and I prepare a place for you. So when Yeshua says that I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you, he's saying that with me doing my work, dying on the cross and being resurrected, that's going to prepare the way for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we don't have any record in the word of God where it says people are just in the kingdom of heaven, just walking around. And no, it makes it clear that when you die, because that's another part of the, the um, topic here is where do you go when you die? We have a parable of Messiah that makes it clear that when you die, you go to one of two places. And we have that parable on the rich man and Lazarus that it mentions that there's a great chasm that's fixed, that you can't go from one side to the other. Meaning if you're on one side, you can't transfer and you can't transfer from the other. And it makes it clear that you're either at Abraham's side where um, Lazarus was, or you're on the rich man's side, which is the place of torment, because even the man in torment was just so tormented that he reached out and all he wanted was just even just a drop of water. You know, just any kind of relief at all, even a drop of water is a relief from this torment. And Abraham told him clearly that, <clears throat> no, you can't go back and forth. And, and he begged him, you know, please send somebody back so they'll repent. And he says, no, I'm not sending anybody back because they have the law and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have the Old Testament. So if you want to <clears throat> avoid the place of torment, then you've got to come to faith through the Old Testament. You go from the Old Testament to the New. But it's very, very clearly in the truth of God that says that there's a chasm, which a chasm would be like a like a big cliff or an area where you cannot go across, like it's fixed there. That make sure that before you die that you find your place to have the fullness of faith in Yah, so that you're on Abraham's side. But you're in one of those two places. You're not in heaven. Because heaven is where Yeshua is. Abba is, and Ema is. But the believers in Yah are not there yet. And it makes it clear in the word in another place that in Hebrews that Yah had a better plan for us that we would all inherit this together. At the same time, he even told Daniel that, Daniel, you will rest, meaning that you will go and rest in the earth. And then you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. And that allotted inheritance is eternal life. And that's your lot and your portion. That's what was spoke about in the parable of the workers in the vineyard, that, you know, I'm the vineyard owner and the wages, eternal life, and I have a right to do with my money what I want to do. And if you work in this vineyard, even if you come in at the beginning, you come in in the middle of the work day or at the end, as long as you find your place to be a worker in the vineyard, then, then you're good. You're going to get your wage uh, for doing the work. So... And there's another aspect of this we won't be getting into now, but that in heaven right now, there your friends and your relatives that you think that they've died and they were in faith, that they are not walking around in heaven. They're not walking around looking down. They're not walking around, you know, planting trees and um, racing around in race cars or playing basketball, looking down on everybody because you hear this, that, oh, you know, people are just looking down and watching from above. And, you know, if old grandma was watching from above and she's just looking down and you no, know, that's just something that you've come up with through believing what people say 
and convincing yourself that that's what it is. And no, we have no aspect of that in the truth of God. That even because you can't get any better source than the Son of God Himself of who's there, because it even said that once he was perfected, you know, he entered into the kingdom and he's going to come back in the same fashion that he left. And that coming back is when the lightning is just like from the east, from the west, with the loud trumpet that he comes back to get his children to be with him forever. But a lot of this, Phil, is, is it's the programming, it's the brainwashing and mind control to convince yourself that you're okay, that, well, you know, all people are in heaven or... And it just—it's to convince yourself to make you think that you're safe. But what we do is with this is we speak the truth of God. We speak what we know, and there's nothing in the Word of God that says, other than at that time when we all enter the kingdom together, that there are not people walking around dying in this life that go right to heaven. And anybody that says that is an error because it doesn't match up with the Word of God. Now we do have in Revelation where it talks about that John got revelation about the elders and things like that, but that was given revelation of showing Yeshua in the kingdom. And those elders are there. You know, we know that for sure. But of this generation that, no, until the fullness of everything comes, that the only ones in the kingdom are going to be Yah, and, and that's the thing, is make sure that you're in the safe place where so that when Yeshua returns, then, as he says, that I go and prepare a place for you so that when I come back, that I will bring you to myself. So um, that's really the, the reality of it. But unfortunately, it's because of the programming, the brainwashing, the cognitive dissonance that, you know, people just assume that, well, you know, when you die, you just go to heaven and you're just waiting there. And, you know, people are going to really find out that that's an error. So find your place to have the fullness of faith in Yah where you go to that resting place because we even have this when the thief on the cross said Lord please remember me Yeshua didn't say surely I tell you you'll be with me in heaven he said surely I tell you you will be with me in paradise that paradise is ultimately Abraham's side that's the holding place because he was saying you're going to be with me when I go down into the earth and preach to those in prison and circumcision of the heart comes to where the separation will be those that had faith when they died will be at Abraham's side, which you'll be there in paradise, and then there'll be a side of torment, but no mention of being in the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is the final resting place. So that final resting place is for the believers at the end. So that would be my thoughts on it so far. Yeah, as we think about the aspect of heaven, like you were saying, that the only ones that are there are those who were there prior to this creation being created. And what that looks like, we don't know. But we know that it exists because God existed. You know, we don't have any kind of timeline laid out for God and, you know, they're, they're eternal. So we, we 
really can't fathom that unless we're told it by the spirit that we can fathom it then. Like you were saying, you know, many people have the concept that, you know, grandpa is looking down from heaven and they're shining down on us. And those are the things that people tell themselves to make them feel good. And that's just a fact of it. It's something that makes you feel good. And it's not the truth. You know, <laughs> the, the truth hurts sometimes. The truth puts you in a position of facing reality. And a lot of times people don't want to face reality. A lot of times they'll place somebody in heaven to make themselves feel good so that they don't have to think that, you know, the alternative uh, aspect. And it's just important because there is an alternative aspect which is hell, and we've talked about hell before. And the, as far as people being in hell, because this is the opposite of this, nobody's in the final, the abyss yet, the final resting place of hell, uh, or not resting place, but final place of torment, but they are in place of torment. You know, just like Messiah said on the two sides in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, you know, spoken about that, that you have both sides. You have the side of torment and the side of peace. And which side are you on? But that's not the kingdom of God. It's a place of holding or rest. And even prior to that, there was a holding place where uh, all those from the Old Testament, from uh, the days of Noah on down to even up to including John the Baptist, would have all gone to one holding place waiting for Messiah to finish his work. And then once his work was finished, gave the opportunity for them to be separated now that, okay, now we're going to separate you, but you're not going to get in together because I mean you're not going to get in now and you brought it up the keys from uh, Daniel where Daniel's told that go live your life and at the end of days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of days which means when time as we know it doesn't exist and so Daniel didn't get it yet. Noah didn't get it yet. Abraham didn't get it yet. Now they are at the side, they're at Abraham's side, that place of peace. And anybody who dies in this life, if you die and you're slated you're elected for heaven, that God's, you've, you've done what's necessary, you've done the work that allows you to work out the grace that God has given, then you end up in the place 
of Abraham's side. And if you rejected God, and if you walked in disobedience to God, if you walked in sin, when you perish this life, you will go to the place of torment. And uh, there is an aspect from some religion and or religions that an aspect of a purgatory where there's a place that people go and they stay there until they finally get it right and then they go on and they're able to be in heaven and that's not true and the whole concept of the uh, the hindus with the reincarnation that you just keep reincarnating and reincarnating and reincarnating until you hit that God state and then you're perfected. I, I don't know much. I don't know much more uh, about that. I haven't done a real in-depth study into Hinduism, um, but enough to know that their ideals of peace and uh, serenity and that that's a concept of God, but you're not going to find it through that avenue of faith either. And so we have lies that are out there that tell people that, well, if somebody died and they weren't a good person, then don't worry about it because it'll be okay. And the key is, is once somebody passes on from this life, Really, it's no concern of ours where they are anyway. I don't care how close you were to the person. And the sad thing is, is that there are people out there that would say, so you're telling me that they're not in heaven or there's a chance that my grandmother or my, my parents may not be in heaven or they're not going to end up in heaven. Well, if they're not going to get it, I don't want it. That there's a lot of people that will have that because somehow there's, they think an unfairness or an injustice has been done. And it's like, no, did they live their life? Could you look at their life and say, this lines up with the life of Messiah? But on the other side of it, it's, why do you care? You're, you're meaning that, yes, you're going to miss somebody. You've been around somebody for time. And it doesn't take a lot of time because uh, somebody could go at a younger age, but you're going to miss people. But you got to look at the reality. Once they die, they're in God's hands. The objective goal is for me to make sure I'm in the kingdom, to make sure that I'm going to get there. And then if I see them there, great. And if I don't, then it's not going to be a concern because, well, they weren't there because they didn't follow the steps necessary. And it's just hugely important that, you know, people understand that one, you, you, there is no purgatory. That decision is made here and the lack of a decision is a decision. And if somebody is in faith in God, they're going to live the life that Messiah lived. That, that's just a fact. You, you're going to live as he did uh, because the word says, if you claim to be in him, you must walk as he did. And so 
Who's in heaven? Well, we know there are angels in heaven. Uh, we know that there are angels, the fallen angels, who were removed from heaven, but they still have uh, they still have times where they come into the council of God. They're not free to do whatever they want. It has to be approved by God that what you're doing, and you know, one of the situations is Job, when uh, God's uh, Satan came into the council of God, and God asked him what he was doing, and he had to answer, and uh, and then God told him, you know, consider my servant Job, and well, you have a hedge around him, and you, you'll protect him, and then I can't do nothing to him. Okay, well. I'll take the hedge down and you do what you want to do, but you can't do this. You can't lay a finger on him. And so you attack him from this direction. And then it got to the point where, okay, well, I'm going to let you lay a finger on him, but don't, but you can't take his life. And the enemy didn't take his life. Why? Because he had the incapability. So we know that Though they've been removed from the presence of God in in God's dwelling place, we also know by Scripture that God holds council meetings. And if you're an angel, whether you were a fallen angel or not, then you've got to be at the council meeting. That's just a fact of it. You don't have a choice. It, it's it's not a optional. It's like if you have a job where they have they have meetings and you know monthly meetings and they're man they're called mandatory then that's what it means it's mandatory you must be there if you want to keep your job you know and we have we have things where people are like in this world mandatory meeting and some people don't show up and there's no consequence for that or you know well, I'm sick I, I I can't make it to the meeting well, with God, that's not the way it works. It, it, you drag yourself in, no matter what condition you're in, to be in the presence of God because it's mandatory. And God's not going to give exceptions to the rule. And if they are, they'll say, hey, we understand you have this situation going on. Go ahead and take care of that. We'll catch you up on the next one or we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, aside from them, giving you a reason why you don't have to be there, then it's mandatory and they are black and white. They're not gray. Well, God will understand if I have this or God will understand this or that or no. No. And you just make excuses because you think you have something more important to do. And what more important can there be than for you to stand in the presence of God when they call. And so we have scripture that shows, and there's even a time where uh, God was talking about who am I going to send uh, to, to bring this lie to this king. And it said, an unclean spirit set forward and said, I will, I will deliver the lie. How could he do that if he wasn't in that council meeting? Uh, where God set it up. And so those who are in the kingdom now are those who were there from the beginning 
except for Messiah. Messiah, once he was perfected, then he went into the kingdom. He had to go in because that's where the heavenly tabernacle is. And he had to, uh, his blood had to be put on the altar in heaven in order for it to be good for us as we crucify ourselves with him. And so, aside from Messiah, nobody from this generation, from this creation, is in the kingdom. And it really doesn't benefit us to try to think too deeply about, well, then who could be there? And where do the 24 hours come from? Don't worry about that. Because it, it, it's not a concern. If it was, then God would have made it clear through the word that, hey, this is information you need to know. And here's where the 24 elders come from. But you can also get some of that information uh, possibly through your circumcision of the heart and your walk with God in order to, that mother says, hey, I got a mystery here. I'm going to show you this. And, oh, wow, I, I, I never saw that. And, of course, they're like, yeah, well, we know that because we have to open up your mind to be able to see those things. And so it's just, uh, there, there's a lot to this. Um, I'll turn it back over to you to see what, what more you have. Well, I had a, a scripture go through my mind with this, and I agree with everything Mother's bringing out, and this is a um, thing about this aspect. <coughs> because we know with Socratic that Socratic will lead to questions, and then questions lead to discovery, and uh, I'll just put the scripture up there. We are seated in the heavenly places in him. That talking about that with circumcision of the heart, you have the fullness of the deity in bodily form. The fullness of Yah in bodily form. So think about this, that we walk with circumcision of the heart. We walk in the body of Messiah in him on this earth. Messiah is in heaven. But it made me think of this is that, that we're not like we haven't come out of him to where we're actually in the kingdom yet, but we dwell in him. So the we carry an aspect of heaven within with circumcision of heart, meaning that we walk as he did. So we dwell in him in the kingdom because, like he said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And he even said when he was here on earth that he was in the father and the father was in him, meaning that, you know, I walk in the fullness of him. We are one. We're unified. And it made me think of that we're not in that final resting place yet, but we're one step closer because being in Yeshua means you have the fullness of deity. So we dwell in Yah, they dwell in us, but we haven't, we're not able to come out to that final resting place because we still carry this body. So we're protected in the spiritual realm. We are in him, we are in the kingdom, but we're not in that final resting place to where we're just walking around and we can see God face-to-face -face in the fullness because um, you had mentioned this on a recent podcast that like Stephen that it's when you're about to die then you look up and you can actually see the fullness of them so the aspect of this is that we're talking about people that you know claim different religions or Christianity Catholicism whatever that you're yourself putting people in heaven because you think they should be there well 
this is a good person. They came to church and they did good things. So yeah, they're there that, you know, we'll put that they're there and we'll put on there that they were an active Christian. Well, why do you put that they're an active? Oh, because you're trying to convince them. Well, because see, they did all these things and that got them there. Well, we know that by the works alone doesn't get you there. It's, it's by faith in Messiah that we're not here to put anybody in heaven or hell. That that's not our, you know, we're called to be careful how we judge because how we judge, it will be measured back to us. Uh, we're not here to say, all right, you're in hell. You're going to hell. You're going to heaven. No, that that's in God's hands, the final place. But we can look at somebody and we can judge and say, I'm watching your life and I'm judging what's coming out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I can see by your conduct. I don't see repentance towards God. I don't see a life of obedience. I don't see that. So I can, through discernment, say that if you continue in this path, that you're going to end up in the abyss. But I can also say, based on watching you, circumcision of heart, you continue in this path, you don't quit, that you'll be in the kingdom of heaven with them. But we, if you think about it, being in the presence of God, knowing them, experiencing them, you get to experience heaven because that's who they are, that really heaven is knowing God, is experiencing them, having a relationship with them. So we're not like necessarily in the fullness of perfection in heaven dwelling with them, but we get to dwell with them in Messiah and experience the kingdom of heaven. And that's the thing is that that's a great mystery that you can be in Messiah, you can walk in this earth as he did with the fullness of faith, with circumcision of the heart, you walk without sin in your heart. And it's as though because you do that, that you're in heaven, quote unquote, but we're not in that final perfected body to be able to dwell with Yah forever, but we are able to dwell with them through Messiah in him. So in the fullness of faith, we can really say that we are in the kingdom, but we're in the kingdom in an aspect of being in Messiah, that we have a relationship with God. We can worship Abba and Ema in spirit and in truth because we've got the fullness of deity in bodily form. We can have communication back and forth without a barrier anymore like we had in the past, that we would have had Yeshua to have to speak to Abba and Ema on our behalf. Now we can talk face to face. And it isn't the job of us to say that somebody's anywhere, really what we should do is we shouldn't be saying that somebody has entered the kingdom of heaven or somebody has entered the abyss, just saying, all right, this person has passed on and it's in God's hands. But a lot of these obituaries are to make it sound like that, well, people were good and people are okay. And I mean, people will watch that person if they were in their family or in their life, they know how the person lived. And people know, I mean, that why would you need to sit there and convince yourself that such and such is in heaven? And I had a, a though I know that Cindy listens to the, likes the 90s country music, and I just had this song come to mind, I don't know if you've heard this one. I don't know the whole thing, but it's the, the, the lyric was, there's holes in the floor of heaven. And it's like, okay, so, oh yeah, because then everything just comes through and it comes down or... Eric Clapton, you know, there's tears in heaven, and I don't know the words of that, stairway to heaven, stuff like that, and just, just makes you feel good, because see, there's holes in the floor of heaven, and then I can just look down and watch you, and 
I know for me, I used to watch NASCAR and well, Dale Earnhardt, he died. I, you know what? He's looking down from the racetrack of heaven. He's just, you know, going around and it's just like, it's just, it's like, wow. Look at that and say, wow, people are just because of fear that they know that they're not right. And the best way to convince yourself when you know you're not right is to feel good. So I'll just say that this person is, well, yeah, they were. I mean, yeah, they did things, but they were good. And they, but really, what you don't see is that. Well, I, I know I do things, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm basically good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, but no, like you said, reality and truth is, truth has to hurt first before it can feel good. So, the unfortunate thing is, is the truth is suppressed because people don't want to deal with. They know their punishment is lingering because they have fear. Um, because fear has to do with punishment. And if you fear anything, then you know punishment awaits, and therefore that punishment is hell, and people will do anything they can to get away from it. But the only way to really, well, not really, but the only way to get away from it is to turn to God, and to come to Abba in terror, find your place of repentance, obedience, and trust, and then you live that life and you die in faith then you'll just wait for your allotted inheritance. And that just shows the fairness of God is that it, it's not about levels is that, um, you know, such and such was on this level and you're down here and they get to enter first before you. It just shows the justice of God is that you find faith in my son. He's the one that's first. But when you're in him, those that believed in me before my son came, that you all going together because I don't show favoritism, that I show favor to those that love me, and that favor is when you die, you will all enter together as one body in Messiah. This isn't about somebody getting in and just watching and saying, man, you know, look at us. No, it, it's fair, and it's just, and it's right. And I was just sitting there thinking about that, the fairness of God. How fair is that that I've made a way that everybody comes in at the same time so that you can see that we're fair and we're just, and I'll come in and receive your reward and your reward was because you believed in us. You walked a path of getting away from sin, and that sin was taken away from you because of your faith in my son, that now you get to live with us and you get to continue your life of obedience, your life of trust with us. But if you don't find your place to get away from disobedience, you can't dwell with us. We don't dwell in disobedience. So why would you think we would be okay with you being here with sin in your life? It's not. And unfortunately, that's the the mishap, the missing this because of the false teaching and false followers is that you don't understand that when you repent to God, the point of that is for you to get away from sin entirely, to denounce sin, meaning that I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I don't want to sin and ask for forgiveness over and over. I don't want any part of sin anymore. I don't want any life of disobedience anymore. And I'm getting away from it. And, and that's ultimately the, the path of the gospel. The good news is you can get away from sin forever with the help of God. So where did it go amiss where people think that you can still sin and be with God and dwell in righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness and the kingdom of heaven is not about wickedness. So you've got to find your place to get away from them. And there's going to be a lot of people 
surprised on the day of judgment, thinking that they're in that long line waiting to get into heaven, and Messiah is going to tell them, you didn't walk the way that I walked. Get away from me. Go to your place of wickedness. Don't just You didn't find your place away from sin. Get away from me. Because in this kingdom, there is going to be no disobedience. There is going to be no wickedness here, so get away from me. This is a clean place. It's a just place. You have no part in this. And it was interesting because I was listening to an older podcast that we had on hell yesterday, and we were talking about the aspect of prison and somebody going to prison, and you're okay with just a prisoner coming and living with you. Yeah, just come on and live in my house. No. Now, unless I see a repentance, you know, maybe you could stay here. You know, I can see you in that. But if you're a criminal and you claim that and you're not attempting to get away from it, I'm not going to let you in my house. You're lawless. I don't see any repentance where you want to get away from this. You're lawless. Get away from me. I don't want any part of it. Go to your prison. You know, get away. So this is a very important topic because the the people that are listening in that are really seeking this with all their heart will be in agreement with this or come to an agreement of it because who were who was somebody to say that somebody's in heaven you know now you can look at somebody's life and say well watching them that um, i'm convinced that that's where they're going to be but people are convinced well i'm with my lord and savior yeah but if you really think about that those that believe the lie, those that accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that in the end they will be with the Lord and Savior, which was the enemy. And so ultimately you do end up with your Lord and Savior, but just make sure that your Lord and your Savior is Yeshua HaMashiach. It's not the um, perception of Jesus. like It's actually the Son of God, not the enemy. So yeah, this is a... Um, so many people, I, I just I, that just stuck in my mind about obituaries that people will write up a beautiful story there about how good the person was and all the works that they did, and you don't even see that you're just doing that to get the attention off yourself, knowing that hey, somebody dies, and just like you said, that they're in Yas hands. There's not a thing you can do about it. You focus on yourself, you know, to make sure that you don't end up in one of those. Well, you don't end up in the place of torment. And Phil, you may have mentioned this before, mention uh, something that Mother allowed you to experience in regards to the two places. Well, I have uh, two experiences. Um, I didn't seek for them. I didn't ask for them. Uh, they were given to me uh, by Mother. Um, one of those was a voice that of the person who had passed on, who had, who had died. And uh, the reason I say went to Abraham's side is because that's what I was told. That's what uh, she told me, that she was at rest. And all she wanted was make sure my mom finds this truth. And so that was a, a place of hearing somebody's voice that was in Abraham's side. And from that day forth, I, I hadn't heard that again. Um, but I also had somebody else who passed away who I 
was um, in my mind, I would have said, you know, that we weren't walking the life that God had laid out. And mother opened up again. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't looking for it. Um, mother opened up that place of uh, the opposite side where there's torment. And the screams were so bad that I asked mother to rapidly close that off because it was, um, it was not a very good sound. And so <clears throat> those are two experiences uh, that mother had given me along the way. Um, for me, that's how I know with absolution and for sure, aside from the, what the word says, that those two places exist and you can't cross over from one to the other. Um, but I would have to go back to with the first one, I would have to go back to your family, your, uh, just like my family, we have access to Moses and the prophets. If they believe Moses and the prophets, then they will believe Messiah. And if they believe Messiah, they will be in that, in that place. So there's really nothing, um, I can do to, uh, help her mom other than for me to live a life, uh, worthy of Messiah, uh, going into it. And it's interesting because again, we have proof in the word of God and this will come through, uh, not specific words. Nobody's in the kingdom from this generation. Now it'll come from the concept and it'll make sense as I explain it out. So if you commit a crime and you go before, you know, you get your, you have your court case and you do everything. At what point do you get either exonerated or convicted? You, you, there's, there's a point in the whole thing that you, there's a, a point where, okay, guilty or not guilty. And in those pleas, guilty or not guilty, you will be either convicted or exonerated and that is in a court of law after the whole process has taken place and then you will get your aspect of uh, either convict conviction or exoneration and we have a beautiful understanding that's given to us uh, and if you believe in the word of God then you, you have to agree with this. And this is the white throne judgment that comes at the end. And until judgment, because that's the point of conviction or exoneration is the point of judgment. So at the white throne judgment, that's when the decision is final. And okay, you, you who committed lawlessness, you have a life sentence of burning eternal. You who uh, found favor in my son, you are exonerated. And 
that white throne judgment happens, you know, and even the Bible says that for that white throne judgment that the earth is going to give up its dead, meaning that everybody who's in one of those two places that have died, which will be at that point, time will not exist for us as we understand it. And there, therefore, everybody will rise up to come before God. And it's at that moment in the presence of God at the white throne judgment that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Messiah is Lord to the glory of God because it's already known. There's, there's no, in this earth where you are now, you can't know it until you know it. And then even the ones that are going to be ushered off to hell are going to know that he was the Messiah sent from God and they rejected God by rejecting his son. And therefore, that's where your guilt lies. But the whole point in bringing that up was the concept that nobody could enter into actual heaven with God or hell yet because judgment has not been made. Now, God will judge many. We will judge people. And this goes back to our objective goal is to judge, but not to have judgment. The judgment is left for the judge, and I'm not the judge. So I'm not going to make a judgment, and that's why I say that if somebody passes on, if you know that they walked the life, they, that their life looked like the life of Messiah, then have comfort in knowing that, well, they did what God asked. God's going to fulfill that promise to them. That, that's, but aside from that, it's in God's hands because maybe somebody deceives you and you think that they're going to be in heaven, but they're not there doesn't matter anyway because God is fair and just and it doesn't matter who passed on uh, we don't have to worry about the little kids who died in this life and they, they died at a young age or they died in the womb or whatever it is don't worry about that if you have faith in God then they're in God's hands they're, they're the best hands for anybody to be in is in God's hands and if they end up in the kingdom there will be a right, fair, and just reason why. And if they end up burning eternally, there will be a right, fair, just reason why. And whether you accept that in this life or not, uh, if you have faith in Messiah, you'll accept that fact that you don't have to worry about it. Now, there are signs that you live your life like the, the great crowd of witnesses. Live your life like Abraham. Live your life like Noah. Live your life in that secluded, uh, not that you seclude yourself, but you will be set aside by others. And you, you're not going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of friends because, well, if you're talking about the truth of God, they're not going to want to hear. They're not going to want to hear it because it's, 
telling them they're wrong and they're going to end up in hell and they don't want to they don't want to accept that so then we come up with uh, fallacies and uh, fairy tales of how hell doesn't exist and you know how you can okay well you go to this place this this dungeon over here and from there you just keep going until you get that righteousness oh no because then you would be working for it and you would be earning it and so grace has to be settled while you're here alive and breathing it's a must you 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 must settle that issue before you perish from this life and whether you believe it or not what you believe doesn't make it true or false what makes things true or false is god and god alone and so you can keep living your life in avoidance of god because well it's going to put restrictions on me and it's it's you know i want to do all these other things well, i can tell you that whatever restrictions i have because of faith i enjoy those i'm still able to enjoy life i'm still able to uh laugh and joke and have fun and you know, one of the things that came to my mind was a joke where I used to joke around about that song when they talked about the holes in the floor of heaven. Because I was like, well, one day if I get to heaven, I'm going to be walking around and I'm going to fall through one of those holes. And then someone's going to look up at the sky and see a set of feet just dangling from one of the clouds or something. Uh, you know, just making some levity of that. But the reality is, is that there are no holes in the floor of heaven. You know, God can see because they can see. And what sense would there be? You know, because these are the lies that people contrive and they don't do it with ill intention. Uh, they really do it to make themselves feel better because the stories that you tell about somebody when they've already died and moved on, they're not for that other person. You perceive it is, you, you profess it is at times. It's about them and where they are and, and what they're doing with God right now. And it's like, no, these are stories that you're telling yourself more than likely because you've already in your mind consign them to a place of condemnation and you don't like that and so in your lower conscience I, don't, I gotta make a change i gotta you know i gotta convince myself that they're there because that's the a lot of the mourning process is not you actually mourning for that person and their salvation or their uh, conviction it's you mourning for yourself because of your loss. And so the things that you say, the things that you do tend to uh, be around making it feel good instead of just leave it in God's hands. You know, leave it in God's hands. And like I said, unless you know for sure, somebody's in one of, one of those two places of rest or of torment, then leave it in God's hands. If you have faith in God, then you your faith is that you that God is right and fair and just and they know what they're doing. And therefore, what concern do you have 
of anything or anybody because the only one that you need concern for is for yourself. And so, I mean, it's even to the point where people tell themselves lies about the faith that they're following just to convince themselves that they're going to be okay so that they can function in this life because that they'll get all depressed if they look at the reality of it and the knowledge of knowing and fear is what gives you that solid knowledge that your that punishment is coming your way because all fear has to do with punishment that's what the word of god says so you know that punishment is coming so you got to convince yourself instead of no how can i remove this punishment how, how can i what can i do well you're going to learn to live a righteous life, but you're going to do that through following the footsteps of Messiah, do what he did, uh, live his life towards God, of obedience to God, setting aside the worldly things, the worldly wants, the worldly feelings, the, the feelings of the body. You know, I mean, Messiah was tested on his wants of food when he was in the desert that, you know, Turn these rocks into loaves of bread, you know, because he was hungry at that point. And Messiah forewent the aspect of him eating, which allowed it, which he accepted to suffer more for the sake of God. No, man does not eat by bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if I never eat another meal and I die in this body because I didn't eat that meal because it wasn't right before God, what does it matter what happened to myself in this body, in this life? No, I'm going to, because of obedience to God, I'm going to be in the kingdom of God and I'm in their hands along the way. But too many times, too many people are making up excuses and stories about why they're going to be okay, but they'll look at somebody else and somebody else's life and say, well, that person's going to hell because of what they did. Yeah? Because, again, that goes back to Messiah's words about judge not, lest you be judged. Not saying don't judge, but be careful how you judge. So that if you put final condemnation on somebody else because of what they've done, you don't see through your hypocrisy that you've done the very same thing that they've done. And so not in condemning them or in your attempt to condemn them, you have condemned yourself and have no clue that the, that's what you've done. Because the reality is, is you can condemn yourself by doing that. But by doing that, you can't condemn the other person. Because you don't have the final say, but God says in in you condemning somebody else, we're making that the final say. And if you don't repent of that, then you're going to end up in that place of torment because you're not showing the life of Messiah of forgiveness and mercy and grace. And one who does not show mercy will not be shown mercy. One who does not show grace will not be shown grace. It, that's just a fact of the way it is. 
but way too many times, way too many people are excusing what people have done and lived in this life in disobedience to God and rejection of God just to make themselves feel good. They'll talk about that person that just died and said, and say things that are lies. And they know they're lies. And again, like you said uh, early on in this, when, when have you ever been to a funeral? And it may happen rarely. I don't, I, I've never heard of it. Now they might not make any profession of where that person is. But most times, even if they lived a wicked life, they, they cheated people, they, uh, you know, they did all kinds of stuff. Oh, they accepted Jesus as one savior, so they're going to be in heaven. It's like, you know, you're lying because you knew that person. Maybe they were a friend of yours. Maybe they were an enemy of yours. But you knew that person and you knew, but yet you've got to convince yourself that they're going to be okay. Why? Well, because if God will excuse their behavior, then God will excuse my behavior. And the only way you get excuse of your behavior is by you living your life and walking as Messiah did. And that will give you the, you will be excused from sins that you committed in the past, but because of that life, you will not commit sins in the future. And so Messiah didn't come to die for past, present, and future sins. He, he came to die for sins while you're a sinner until you're no longer a sinner through faith in him, crucifying yourself with him. The written code for you is nailed to your cross and now you don't sin but that's the avenue and the, the path you must follow and but you'll see it all the time people will continually tell themselves lies in order to make themselves feel good about somebody who has just passed away and it's really not about make about the person who passed away it's about themselves but they don't see it because this is stuff that comes out of the lower conscience that you're not able to recognize and see until you dig into it and until you're given the ability to uh, clean out that house with the stone rolled away. It, it's just there's, there's a ton of stuff that's attached to it. And so uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and see what else you have. Well, remember this when we talked about the way that you approach God is the way that they will approach you. And I just had this picture in my mind. All right, so if somebody makes this statement to somebody, go to hell, what does Yah say back to them? Go to the abyss. And it was like, Yah, just forgive this person. They don't understand. Have mercy on them. Sean, I'll have mercy on you. Come and just made me think that people don't see that that they're putting that final judgment on somebody else, but you're not pointing the finger back at yourself. You're just pointing it at them. So you don't. So it's just it's a huge thing. You know, be careful. Don't be going around telling people where they're going to go, because what you don't see is is that the finger's being pointed right back at you. Because Messiah gave us this example. All right. Well, the woman in adultery. What are you going to do with her? 
And he doesn't say, all right, well, you committed adultery. The law says you're to be stoned. All right, go stone her. That's it. No, he's like, I didn't come here to condemn. I'm not here to bring the final judgment on you. That, but I'm not here to accuse you because you're already condemned already if you don't believe in me. So go and leave your life of sin or something worse is going to happen. And that's the example for us. Don't go around condemning people and, yeah, you see this? You're a sinner. It's like, yeah, but is that the way that you want to be approached with this? Or would you rather be approached from, hey, I see what you're doing here. You really need to evaluate this and get away from it. And, yeah, because those people that brought the woman before Messiah, they wouldn't want that done to them. And the proof of that is he turned it back on them and they walked away one by one because they knew that they were sinners. And I have no authority to do this because I'm doing the exact same thing. And that's the point of it. You're whatever you're pointing the finger on and condemning somebody, you do the same thing. So stop doing that. Um, you know, point the finger back at yourself so that you can escape the same condemnation that you're putting that other person under. I uh, had this thought as you were speaking that we were just mentioning this recently in Galatians, where it talks about the law and the purpose of the law. That the law was a schoolmaster to lead you to Messiah so that you may be justified by faith. And it, it made mention of that when the law came, that it kept us locked up under sin. And it made me think of that prison that you were talking about, that the law is there so that you're locked up under sin, that you're in prison anyway. Like people say, well, you know, I'm free in Jesus or I'm free. It's like, no, you're if you're under the law, you're locked in that prison of sin and the law is not going to let you escape. The, the law is the guardian. That it doesn't matter in this prison what you think is good enough, what you think is good works. You're in prison and you're stuck there because of the law being in place. You can't escape from your sin unless you repent to God. And just like in that jail that you prove to God that, hey, I know I'm in jail here, but but Abba, I do not want this anymore. I don't long, I long to be righteous. I don't want to sin. Okay, well, you're still in jail, but let's just see if you can be on good behavior. I'm going to watch you. And how do you act in prison? Do you go with the other people in the prison? Do you, you know, beat up other inmates or do you keep to yourself? Do you, you know, you really, I can see an evidence of a changed life. Okay. All right. And then, you know, you come to Yeshua and, okay, well, I, I really see that you really want to be obedient. And then, okay, well, it looks like this person is a good candidate for parole. All right. Well, you have to be released from sin. And by crucifying yourself with Messiah, like you said, that the written code is nailed to your cross so that you can have the written code taken from you because that's the power of sin. Sin has its power through the written code. And that's why that those that are under the law are under sin. So you're stuck in prison until you repent and turn to God. That, and that's why Yeshua said that you're condemned already because you're under the law. The law is fair and just. The law is spiritual. But you're unspiritual because you're in a body of flesh. You have a sin nature. So the spiritual law can't save you because you're a sinner. So all it can do is condemn you. And you're just stuck in prison until you're released. And when you're released from prison, the point is don't come back to prison. And so many people, they're released from prison. Why do they go right back? Because they never repented of their wicked ways that got them in there. There was no change, and therefore they keep going back to prison. And that's what happens 
from where we came from in Christianity that you're in prison and you think you're released and uh, you go right back to prison again. And I'm released and I go right back to prison. And no, that's not the point of it. The point is if you're really rehabilitated, then you have freedom from the sin, don't return to it. And that's what Paul was telling the Galatian church and to us as well. You know, you've got to get away from thinking you're okay by the, the works that you do, that you're justified by law. You're not. It's by faith in Messiah. You cannot do a work that's good enough to save you, but there are works that you must do in faith. But the written code is there, and the written code is in place for all those that before you have faith in Messiah, and now Yeshua, the written code was removed for him, um, and then now he's in the kingdom, he's perfected, so he's immortal, he does not sin, he cannot, because he's immortal, he's righteous. But what happens is, it's just interesting, is Yah's put this in place to where all are under sin, all's mouths are, are to be stopped because the law was put in place to stop every mouth to justify that you're good enough. You're not, you're a sinner, you're lawless, and it doesn't matter what works you do, it's about faith in God. I mean, it is about the works you do, but it's the works in faith that you would do. But if you're lawless, you stay in a lawless place. If you're righteous, you go to the righteous place, and there is no going back and forth. Now, there is going back. You can change from lawlessness here. Just make sure that you find the place of righteousness before you die. But it's just the beauty of Yah, that Yah is fair and just, that no, you're, you're locked up under sin until you have faith in my son and you can't get away from it. And that's why people know that hell awaits because the written code is what you're under. You're under condemnation. You know hell waits for you. And you just attempt to suppress it. But you can suppress it all you want, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to ultimately happen if you don't find a place to turn to God in fullness. And I just find this very interesting that all the times that you know you read the obituaries and things and people will put people here and there and it's like you have no control over that all you have control over is yourself so if you have conviction on it make sure you look at your life because that person cannot change where they are because it's said only you can change where you are and god has made the gospel message put it in place it's the power of god and salvation it's the way that you can have good news that you can get away from sin you can escape the abyss but it's just unfortunate there's just people that are just convinced that, well, somebody like Billy Graham or somebody like, um, can't even think of other names, but like somebody, some prominent person that, well, they, they must be in heaven because look at Billy Graham. Well, well, but did Billy Graham live the life of Messiah or did he teach except Jesus as Lord and Savior? And people would say, oh my gosh, you're saying that Billy Graham is in the, in the kingdom? Based on what I'm saying, did he have the message of truth of God about circumcision of the heart and getting away from sin? No. So where does that ultimately put him if he didn't repent to God? And again, it's in God's hands now. It's not in ours. But people look at us and say, you're crazy. Or no, we're just living by the truth of God. And whomever you're looking at, does their life line up with the life of Messiah? And if it doesn't, <clears throat> then use that as a way to evaluate your life because you can't change somebody else. But... These are things that a lot of people won't talk about. And, you know, from us, as, as long as we've been doing this, we're going to speak the truth of God. And like you said, the truth can hurt. But ultimately, the truth is to bring you to a point where you can understand the truth and walk in it. And this is just a this is just another um, another topic to talk about that, you know, people think that they have understanding on. But 
the only way to have the understanding is to have Yah reveal it to you and to understand it that you know stop going around putting people places like in heaven or hell and focus on yourself and make sure that you're doing what's necessary to make sure that you reach the kingdom of heaven you know not just going around putting people where you think that they should be or you know doing those things right you do it just like Messiah did, you follow his example, and then you be an example that somebody else can follow in your footsteps. Mm -hmm. You know, whether they believe it or not, whether they want to or not, that's on them. That, that's, that's not on you. See, there's a huge problem when you can claim that you have this saving faith but yet you condemn other people. And the big problem in that is that you do that because you have not been saved because if you were, you would understand the wretchedness of who you are and how you were saved. And that within itself drives the aspect of mercy for somebody else. You can't place somebody who's living in wickedness in the kingdom, but you can have mercy. Father, I, I, I did the same things they did and I lived that life as well and just have mercy on them if they repent to you, you know, because repentance is the key. Uh, I know that if they truly repent to you and give their life to you, that you'll be fair and just and they'll they'll get salvation, and if they don't change, you'll be fair and just, and they'll end up burning uh, in eternity. But if you can look at somebody else with the disdain of, well, they deserve hell, or they're going to hell, you prove, again, that you yourself don't have what you claim to have, because you or not showing the mercy for somebody who doesn't have it, you know, just like Messiah when he was being crucified, Stephen when he was being stoned. Forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. You know, Stephen uh, did that because he understood what he was rescued from. And when you understand what you've been rescued from, your heart's desire is just like God's that no one will perish. And so uh, your heart is always in the mindset of, no, I want these people to find the truth of God. Now, I can't force it on them. I can't convince them, but I can be an example. And if they follow the example, as long as I'm being the good example, then they will be able to find that salvation and that's what I want. I don't want somebody to be condemned and truly, if you can do that, but it's, it's be careful on the other side as well, because you will put somebody in heaven because you want, it's not because of mercy, but because if they can be forgiven, then I can be forgiven. And well, you don't know if they're forgiven. You're just saying that because it makes you feel good that you might be there. And the key is, is why would you wait till you die to 
to make the necessary steps uh, for faith because you die like we talked about, it's already settled. But we have an avenue in a way that the Bible talks about that tells you you can be in a safe place, but the greatest majority of people are going to avoid that safe place because it doesn't make them feel good. It doesn't tell them what they want to think. Uh, and that's, again, that's what drives people to try to eliminate hell. Hell doesn't exist, or God doesn't exist, you know, because you want to condemn other people, or you, you just want things to be the way you want them to be. And so, if you claim faith in God, yet you can't sit there and have mercy on that person, meaning that God, don't hold this against them. You know, that's your aspect of forgiveness. Now, for them to be forgiven, they have to do their part, which is the repenting of it. We're not called to force somebody else to repent. We're called to forgive. So you do your part of forgiveness, but forgiveness cannot be fulfilled by only one party, by one side. If you are faith in God, you do absolutely everything uh, in your power to make sure that you have forgiven somebody, that you're not holding things against them. But that doesn't release them from their burden of guilt. They have to repent to God for that. And we should have no ill will towards those people that mistreat us, that, that say, vicious things about us that no because I know who I was and what I did and if you know not if God saved me from that because I walked in his ways then you can be saved as well there's nobody who's beyond the reach of God in repentance but there has to be that turn completely to God in order for them to be able to find that same place of mercy for whatever they've done. You know, one might look at somebody who hasn't killed anybody and they, they stole or they did drugs or they did both of those, but they never killed anybody. And they'll compare that to somebody who, you know, murdered a bunch of different people. And if the murderer, truly repents to God and turns from his wickedness, he'll be saved. If the thief and the drug addict does not turn from their wickedness, they will not be saved. And I'm not making that statement. I'm making that, I'm saying that because that's what the, the Bible says. That's what the word of God says. And so you, sin is not, separated by levels of God that you're going to have an easier punishment when you're burning in eternity rather than somebody else. No, it's going to be equal to everybody across the board. The place where it's a, a, a detriment is going to be at the white throne judgment when there's a lot of people whose hope, the hope that they had in uh, 
worldly, not godly faith will have their hope deferred and it will make their heart sick. And that's why it says that it would be better for you to not have known the way of God and rejected it than Sodom and Gomorrah or all these other people that were doing what they were doing because they wanted to do them and they didn't have a care about God. Well, you who claimed you had a care about God, you who had a false hope, now it's going to be worse for you on that day because they will be expecting it. You will not. And the objective goal is you make sure that you follow what the word of God says. And if you follow what the word of God says, then you will be saved, but you have to follow it and you have to follow it through to completion. You have to finish it. And that it's just really important that we understand that you enter a race. I don't care if you stop six inches before the finish line and turn around and walk away. You never finish the race and therefore you can never say you finished the race and you will not get any uh, acclamation or um, words that'll say, good job, good, good job, you finished the race. No, no, if you have to, if you have to crawl millimeter by millimeter until you get yourself across that finish line, then that's what you do, but you must finish the race in order to enter into the kingdom of God, but that is not at a time that has yet come. And so there is nobody looking down from heaven. There are no four holes in the floor of heaven so people can look down and, and yeah, they're looking over us, they're watching out for us, and you know, they're gonna, they're gonna do these things. And there's a lot of people that don't wanna hear this message because what it does is it makes them face their own humanity, their own wickedness, especially if they look at somebody who they think was better than they were, you know, that they, well, they lived a good life. Well, if they're not going to be in the kingdom, then I know I'm not going to be. And unfortunately, instead of people following what the word of God says and lining yourself up for salvation by doing what it says, People will forego the warnings and end up in the abyss, end up burning because they didn't take heed to the warnings. And some might say, well, what you're saying is it's just too hard. It, it's too hard. Nobody can do that. And I go back to the words that were said in the word of God. You're right with man. This is impossible. It, it's an impossible task for you to do it on your own. But with God, all things are possible. And that's what, that all things are possible is what gives you the ability to walk in by the favor of God and God giving you glory in your walking in that because you're doing uh, your best to be obedient to what they say 
And part of obedience to what they say is adhering to what the word says, not adding to it, not, not adding places <coughs> of purgatory, not adding, you know, well, this person is an exception because, well, they, they donated all this money to this charity and it means nothing. I don't care what you, you think you've done that makes you a good person. Messiah made it clear that in the body of flesh, no one is good. When they called him good teacher, he said, why do you call me good? There's only one that is good, and that is God. Now, he hadn't been perfected yet, so he wasn't claiming the goodness of God. And if he doesn't, didn't claim the goodness of God, then I need not claim the goodness of God. The only, it's like uh, Paul said, uh, that would I do. It's not me doing it, it's Christ in me. He's the one that is giving me the ability to do these things, not I within myself. But Paul had to do his work and he had to live out his faith in order for him to, in the end, to gain that uh, place of glory and that place of rest with God. And you can you can say that, yeah, Paul by his faith and what he did, he's in that resting place. Okay? But he's there because he followed what the word of God said, not because I'm I'm deciding in my mind that, yeah, well, Paul was a good person, so I'm going to uh I'm going to say Paul's in heaven. No, Paul lived what the word said, and you can clearly say it. We saw where he was a sinner and he persecuted the church of Messiah, that he was even killing those that were preaching it. And so he was saved from that because his life completely changed and he became a completely different person. And those are the things that you'll see. You'll see the hypocrisy done away with because I'm putting the focus on myself, not on somebody else and what they've done and how they've done it. That ultimately I'm the only one that can work within myself for the salvation for myself. So why does it matter to me what you do? Well, it does matter because I want to see you. I have the heart after God's own heart, which is I want to see everybody to have an opportunity to be in the kingdom of God, but not everybody's going to be there. You know, speak about something that God just brought this to my mind and in regards to where do we go when we die? And it's the aspect of death. And God gave this to me. I hadn't never even thought of it this way. But in the word of God, it mentions that there is a second death. Okay. That, and we know that there's a first death because there wouldn't be a second death if there wasn't a first one. And what mother brought to mind was, is that death is about separation. Life is about unity. So what happens is, is that all of us have a body of flesh, but when we leave this earth, when we die, we're separated from the body of flesh. So that's the first separation. So that, you have to have that 
The second death it mentions is, and it's a warning, is make sure that you're not part of the second death. The, the second death is the spiritual separation from Yah, and that's why that second death is when somebody is thrown into the abyss. So when it talks about, like, that the believers, they fell asleep, well, you do die because you separate from the body of flesh, that when you are separated from it, when you die, the sin nature stays with the body of flesh. So you go to that resting place, and then when you come up to face God, when you have that final judgment, that and it just came to mind that that's what Yeshua was talking about when he mentioned many people will come to me in that day, which is the great white throne judgment. Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I? And, it will, and I'll tell them, get away from me. I never knew you. You practice lawlessness. Well, that getting away is you're going to go to the abyss. That's the second death. And, you know, blessed are those that have no part in the second death. So what happened was when in the beginning when Yah was talking about when they ate the fruit, that they'll surely die. Well, the death was the separation from God, and that's why Yah had to drive them out, because you can't dwell here because you've sinned. So I'm going to make a way for my son to come so that you can be unified with us again to where you have life, because it says in the Word that this is eternal life, to know the Son and the Father, to know Yah is that relationship, that unity with them, to be in them and they in you is life. But because it's a unity, it's a bond. So those listening, make sure that you find this fullness of faith by seeking with all your heart and continuing to the end because you don't want to be a part of that second death because that second death is a spiritual death, which is a complete separation from God, where you'll be in torment forever and ever, and you'll have all that time to know in your mind and have no way to change that I'm the cause of this. I, by my choices, am why I'm here, and I cannot change a thing about it. And that's really the, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth and just that great fire and burning is just that mindset in your lower conscience, in your upper conscience of just, I'm the one that screwed this up and there's not a thing I can do about it. And that's a burning of just over and over, just the torment in your mind of that I'm the one that caused this, and I'm the one that, and I can't do anything about it. It'll never change. It'll never get any better. And that's really the flames aspect of this, just that burning inside of it in your mind that you just can't do anything to change it. So, yes, we've been talking about that there's two places, that there's two holy places, and then ultimately when you die, there there's a place of the abyss, and there's a place in the kingdom, but the... The word of God warns about this is that, you know, get away from that second death because once that's done, you live forever. So once you're born, you live forever anyway. So make sure that you live eternal with God, not eternal separate from God. Because once into existence, always into existence. You know, so the only ones that would not be in the kingdom or, or in the abyss are those that never existed. So just an important aspect of when we talk about, you know, where do you go when you die, that, that yes, you leave this body of flesh and, and you die, but then the point is, is that there's a second death. Find your place. Do not have any part of that second death, because if you are, then you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. And these things are just very important to know. And there was one other thing, Phil, that you, uh, there was like, a, I guess, a trigger word or a word that I just uh, latched onto in regards to being saved is you had said being rescued. And I just had a picture in my mind as you see the Coast Guard over an ocean 
and they throw out that line with a, a little flotation device. And because you're out and you're lost in the sea and you're, you know, swimming and grabbing for that life jacket or preserver and they pull you up to the top. It just made me think that if you think that you can live in sin and just continue to sin and ask for forgiveness, it would be like you reach out for that um, flotation device and they pull you up and then you just, nope, and you just jump right back in the water and you're just expecting that flotation device to come and rescue me and then, oh, I sin, oh, and then you just throw me back in the water. No, the point of being rescued from something is, I don't ever want to go back to that place again. I had a plane crash in this icy water. Rescue me so I don't ever come to this place again. But unfortunately, that's not the way it's seen. It's seen as, well, because Jesus died on the cross, and I can just go ahead and just sin and be rescued, sin and be rescued. And you know, the point of it is, is through repentance, is that you reach out and you snatch somebody from the fire, like you mentioned in Jude. You know, snatch people out of the fire, or you don't, or you snatch them out and then, all right, put them right back in. Oh, let me snatch you up. Oh, put you right back in. No, the point is, is get rescued from your life of sin. Stay away from where you were rescued from, walk in the freedom that you have now, and just another picture to show us that we have in the creation of God that that it, God makes it clear is that you either continue to sin or you find a place to get away from it, to find the place of righteousness in God and walk in righteousness. And But it's just unfortunate that people are just not taught, they don't seek after it, and they think that <coughs> sinning continually is okay because there's a forgiveness there because of the sacrifice of Messiah, but if Messiah were here, if Paul were here, Peter, James, John, you're teaching people that they can continue to sin and be righteous? Are you crazy? What are you doing? It's get away from it. Yeah, because that's not the teaching of Messiah. The teaching of Messiah is leave your life of sin or something worse is going to happen. And it's not that you yourself remove sin from you, because you can't. Mother does that, but it's the absolute circumcision of your heart, your mind, to get away from sin, and I'm never going back to that again. And even though you do sin still when in repentance, but your mindset is, nope, I don't agree with it. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going back to that. But that's just an aspect that just, just people don't grasp that, and that's what keeps you in death. That's what keeps you separated. Sin is the separating factor with God, and if you don't find your way to have a place without sin in your life and you're separated, you're in death because you're not walking in life. If you were walking in life, you would be walking without sin. And that was just something that came to mind in regards to death. Right. Well, as we look at these things, the warnings are there for people if you're looking for it. You seek God with all of your heart. You will see the warning signs, and then you will have to make a decision if you want to adhere to those warning signs. But it's all there. It's in the Word. It's in creation. It's all there enough for people to be able to seek and find God. And when they seek with all of their heart, they will find God. And as long as they never stop seeking with all of their heart, they will find that place of salvation with God because... God promises that, and you will have it. Stop the craziness of trying to convince yourself of things rather than find the truth of God, and you'll find that through a deep seeking. 
when you find that truth, apply it to your life. So then you don't have to worry for yourself about what's going to happen when you die, that you end up having a comfort and your fear goes away because you no longer are afraid of dying in this life because prior to that, you know that when you die in this life with disobedience to God, you're going to die in the next life. So you want to be in a comfort place that, okay, well, I'm going to physically die in this life anyway, but I have salvation in God. Uh, my salvation is, is set, it's sealed, it's locked in, but it's locked in because of what the word of God says, not because man tells you these things. Uh, because there are many that will tell you things that will make you feel good, and we're not about making you feel good. Uh, well, we are, but we're not. We want to make you feel good later on, but at the beginning part of it, you're not going to feel good, nor should you feel good, because it's that's a recognition of who you are, and you're able to recognize what you deserve. And so... As we're winding up for this morning, my encouragement to people is find that safe place with God. Stop avoiding it. Stop listening to what other people are saying. Figure out where the brainwashing and mind control has come into play and deal with those issues so that you can have a true knowledge of where you're going. And in the end, ultimately, the decision is yours, but that decision will bring a life of work for God in order for you to enter into their kingdom. Uh, and that's a fact of what we're talking about. And know that nobody is in heaven right now. Uh, and when you die, you'll go to, you'll be separated into either the place of uh, torment or Abraham's side, and those two places. Uh, Abraham's side is a place of peace. It's a place of paradise because you know that imminently you're going to be in the kingdom, but you have to wait for the full number of those who are going to enter into the kingdom uh, so that everybody can enter together. So, Sean, do you have any uh, ending words as we sign off for this morning? Don't rely on what we're saying. Rely on what the truth of God says. Now, what we're saying is the truth of God by a mother, but seek this out diligently, diligently with all your heart and you'll find it. And remember that Messiah said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father but by him. That make sure that you seek after this because God is life. And if you find them, you will find life. But um, just encourage everybody to just as you're listening, listen to what God is saying, how they're speaking to you, and just as you read and seek with all your heart, apply the truth of God, and it will bring change to your life. So that's all I have. Everybody has a good day. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand 
and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. <coughs> Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.